0: Hey there, it's Dan Blakely, and this is what Barry's talking about from Barry 360. On this week's show, Kempenfest finally managed to celebrate its 50th anniversary, and what a party it was. Barry police are cracking down again on noisy mufflers and more, and we meet an 8-year-old trying to save the monarch butterfly. But first, hard to find a walk-in clinic anymore. Two of them in Barrie this week became after-hours clinics for patients of participating physicians only. At others, you need to make an appointment. RVH has opened a satellite clinic, but you need to make an appointment there too. However, it is expected to fill a gap and ease some of the pressure on the ER. Barry 360's Ian McLennan made an appointment with Sharon Ramagnano, Operations Director of Emergency Critical Care and Trauma at RVH, as well as the Sperling COVID Cold and Flu Care Clinic, to find out more. So, Sharon, how long has the Sperling Drive Clinic been operating?
1: Um, We've actually opened it a couple of times throughout the pandemic just to um, ensure that we had access for patients that required this type of care. Officially, um, it's been opened as of November um, last year, 2021, um, and has not closed since. In the previous year, it was open for a sporadic time and then closed, um, and now we have a need for it to be ongoing. Why was
0: the decision made to broaden, if you like, the, the mandate of this clinic?
1: Uh, we've noticed that we definitely have um, you know ebbs and flows within this pandemic in different waves that we are seeing. Um, when we have a wave, we definitely have an increased volume of patients with lower acuity symptoms, such as cough, colds, fevers, earaches, sore throats. Um, that are seeking care and Either unable to get it, or the timing of the care that they are able to access doesn't really line up with their symptoms and their need. Um, so we're finding that um, you know either through their family physicians um, they're trying to get an appointment there, or just that their doctor is closed and it's now a Saturday afternoon and their child has an earache. Um, so there's really lack of options to go somewhere when you do have infectious symptoms. Um, some of the clinics are not open to patients with infectious criteria like fevers. Um, So they really feel that, you know, this option is the emergency department, which is not a a good plan because our emergency departments do have increased volumes and acuity levels um, and staffing is tight. So we wanted to ensure that this clinic was available and accessible to the community for as many hours a day that we could provide and ensure that it went to seven days a week.
0: Now to be clear, is this a walk-in clinic or is it by appointment only?
1: It is an appointment booking system, and you can get that through the RVH website, and you can go through COVID resources, and you'll find it right there. It's a couple of clicks. Um, You'll see the cold, cough, and flu care clinic. Um, Through the website, you can book an appointment. It's very simple and easy. If you don't see an appointment, you can also call the clinic, um, and they will be able to um, help you find an appointment that you need.
0: Okay, so there's no waiting room per se, and the clinic's able to process uh, between 40 and 60 patients a day, could go up to 80. But when a patient does arrive, then what's what's the protocol?
1: Um, So the average per day is sort of fluctuating between 35, 40 patients to 60 patients a day currently. Um, The reason the rationale behind that is depending on the physician resources that we have in place, so whether we have one or two or three doctors working that day and working the entire period of the eight hours that we have the clinic open. What we are doing is we have currently three assessment rooms, which is why this is an appointment only, because you will not have a waiting room to sit in. So as you arrive, you will receive, uh, come through a security booth, which will provide a pager, and you will wait in the parking lot um, by the door to come in. Uh, The team will call you, page you through that. Within a few minutes, it's usually you know uh, between two three minutes wait to five ten minutes maximum. Um, you would be brought into an assessment room that's a dedicated room for you. There's no waiting room, um, and the reason behind that is people are coming with infectious symptoms. We don't want to be having them sitting uh, for hours in a waiting room um, that you would have to do should you go to an emergency department. So the efficiency is there, um, the safety is there, um, you have dedicated room, you'll be seen by a nurse, you'll be seen by a physician or a nurse practitioner um, and treated and then discharged from there. So the entire visit is quite efficient um, and expedited so that you don't have a long time to wait with your child who may be sick or yourself.
0: And finally, might this clinic become the new normal in our community?
1: yeah and, and we're just we're trying to understand sort of what the long term plan would be for these types of clinics. I know Ontario Health is very um invested in ensuring that this type of clinic remains for the communities throughout the province um, as long as that goes on we're really unclear um at this point in time, we are looking to continue the rest of this year and into next spring um, with this specific type of clinic. We may, at that point, once we see different things happening in the, in, uh, the world or in the community, um, we may look to change the type of patients we see and add other cohorts of different types of patients um, based on what we're seeing. For now, uh, for the near future, it's definitely going to continue to be the cold, coughing, flu patient.
0: Barry 360's Ian McLennan in conversation with Sharon Ramagnano, director of the RVH COVID Cold and Flu Care Clinic on Sperling Drive. Ah, the summer, the sound of kids playing in the park, splashing in the bay, backyard parties noisy mufflers, complaints about noisy mufflers. Barry Police have renewed the effort to crack down on modified vehicles and the noise that comes with them. Not everyone convinced this should be a police priority, but Deputy Police Chief Wiley Allen assures Barry 360s will Konkin it should be.
2: Have you done initiatives like this before?
0: How have they turned out?
3: Yeah, we have, and and, and we lay a lot of charges. Uh, we did so last summer. Um, received a lot of media. Uh, we want the community to know that we're aware uh, of the complaints. Uh, we hear them, and uh, we take them seriously. Uh, so we're we're going to do this initiative, uh, and and uh, see what's out there. We thought it uh, would be progressive to let people know ahead of time uh, that we're taking a proactive approach, and and uh, our officers are going to be out there. Uh, we'll also be doing another initiative through the summer so this this isn't just going to come and go in a matter of a day and um, what we really want to do is is uh, educate the public that these uh, modifications to their vehicles are disrupting people in their communities and that they need to um, to consider that before they they do these unlawful uh, modifications to the car what uh, modifications are officers specifically there's a number of modifications. Some can be um, uh, safety issues around the, the the tires and the mud flaps. But specifically, as it relates to the the noise campaign, something that would uh, you know make a, a, a regular sedan or or small um, uh, car sound like a, a race car and. You, you can hear it coming down the road. In fact, if one was driving across Fairview right now, we'd probably have to pause this interview to to allow the car to, to pass by. So it might feel uh, great when you're driving the car and there's a, a lot of uh, feeling of power uh, with that car, but really all you're doing is upsetting everybody around you, uh, and especially the people in the community where you are starting that car every single day. Um, does
0: this include all vehicles or is it just specifically cars? Will it be like motorcycles?
3: Um, it's vehicles that are modified so if something comes from uh, and I know we hear things you know Harley Davidson's can be loud and, and other things uh, it will deal with them as they come up but for the most part people who are making modifications to alter the the, uh, the sound and the emissions from their vehicle to make the noise that would be considered disruptive to the layperson in the community, yeah, we're going to take that on. And I'd like to, to also mention that for those people that are considering modifying their vehicle, or if they have and they didn't know it was unlawful, uh, please uh, just reach out to the Berry Police. Our traffic unit would be happy to meet with you inspect your vehicle. Um, There would not be any charges if you brought it in here because you wanted to educate yourself and maybe remodify it back to its original state. So um, we would be happy to, to work with anybody in the community if they want to know what the limitations of certain modifications are. How important is the public in this initiative? The public is is very important. Um, what that information does, uh, as with any crime, when when something happens in their uh, in their community, we need to know about it so we know where to divert our resources to. We have only so many resources. Uh, if we are able to target the areas and the times uh, where these things occur, uh, then we are able to be more um, more productive with with our members, more responsibility with with our deployment, and eventually, hopefully, uh, be able to have a more proactive, targeted response to an issue in, in the communities that are uh, that are feeling it the most.
0: Deputy Police Chief Wiley Allen with Barry 360's Will Conkin. By the way, police staged their first blitz of this campaign last week, laying 50 charges, 29 of them noise related. Into the last half of the summer, looking for something to do? You like concerts?
4: August is Thick with Shows. It's Rachel with the Rock 95 concert listing. August 6th at the Key, you can check out Mr. Patio Lanterns himself, Kim Mitchell. August 8th, Bud Stage, they're bringing you the Goo Goo Dolls. Also on August 8th, over in Toronto, the Rogers Center, they have the Motley Crew, Death Leopard, Poison, and Joan Jet in the Black Heart Stadium Tour. August 12th to 14th, Shake the Lake Ballads. Rock 95 bringing you 15 bands, including Hoxley Workman and Monster Truck. August 13th, over at the Key, it's the Strumbellas. August 16th, Bud Stage. They've got Styx, REO Speedwagon, and Loverboy. The Glorious Sons, they have a three-night engagement at the Key Bala, August 18th to 20th. August 19th, Scotiabank Arena. they got Greta Van Fleet. August 21st, another great night for shows in Toronto. Rogers Center, they've got the Chili Peppers. And Bud Stage hosting the Scorpions. August 27th, back at Bud Stage, they've got Blue Rodeo. And looking ahead, September 16th to 18th in Cookstown, Rock 95 brings you the Gusapalooza Music Festival. If you want to check out details on on any of these shows, click on that concert page on rock95.com.
0: This is what Barry's talking about from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. So, how many orange and black monarch butterflies have you seen in recent years? Their population is dwindling. In fact, they've become an endangered species. But there's an eight-year-old girl in Aurelia trying to reverse that. Barry 360's MJ spoke with Morgan Mansfield and her mom, Gavi, to find out what they're doing and how you can help.
5: Morgan has developed a, a bit of a new hobby, which is a really great one. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that?
2: So a couple of years ago, we found monarch caterpillars up the street from us. And what ended up happening was we left them to nature, which is great and what you're supposed to do. But the the milkweed that they were on got mowed down, caterpillars and all. So we didn't get to watch them grow or anything. We were really sad. So the next year, last year, Morgan watched a monarch butterfly lay its egg. And she came running inside and said, I just saw a monarch and it was laying an egg. And I've got the egg right here on a leaf. She had picked the leaf that the egg was on and that was kind of the start of it all. We had some milkweed in our, in our backyard, but we didn't have enough to sort of rehome these in the wild, so we raised them last year. This year, she's setting out to make sure that they have enough habitat, that they have enough milkweed throughout the city um, so that they are able to continue their life cycle and not have to worry about getting mowed down.
5: How exactly are are you um, doing that? Because that's a pretty big undertaking.
2: Rather than um, asking the city not to continue maintenance, which they obviously have to do, um, we're more about building habitat. So we came across this initiative called the Butterfly Way Project, and it's with the David Suzuki Foundation. And we applied to become Butterfly Way Rangers, which are basically people who work with the David Suzuki Foundation Butterfly Way Project to uh, create pollinator habitat and create what's called a butterfly way by planting at least 12 native plant gardens uh, within their neighborhood or city or whatever. So that's what we're focusing on is having... As many people plant pollinator gardens as we can, and we're growing as many plants as we can from seed to be able to give away uh, to people who want to be part of this initiative.
5: What exactly are, are you guys um, basically asking for from from the community to sort of help Morgan with her project here?
2: So we are asking people uh, who have some space who would like to have a pollinator garden on their property. Um, we're asking them to join us to plant um, pollinator plants. We have lots of plants that we can uh, give to people who sign up with the initiative. Our aim is to create 12 new pollinator gardens in Aurelia.
5: Okay, and is Morgan available to talk to me?
2: Uh, yes. Yeah.
5: Hi. Hi, Morgan. How are you? Good. You would like people to sort of, I guess, join you and help you in making pollinator gardens. Um, what kinds of things can, can people do to help out um, both caterpillars and butterflies? Plant a pollinator garden and leave the milkweed alone. Okay. And that's really easy to do, right? Yeah. Yeah? So what do, what do you have to do to plant your garden? Just plant the flowers and then just let nature take care of it? Yeah, sometimes you have to water them if it's really hot and it hasn't rained in a long time. All right, Morgan, you did such a good job. Thank you so much.
0: Morgan Mansfield and Mom Gavi, if you want to help, they can be reached at morgansmonarchs at gmail.com. Well, that was quite a show. The 50th Kempenfest Arts and Craft Festival, twice postponed by the pandemic, was held this past weekend on the Barrie Waterfront, and it did not disappoint. Not the organizers, not the vendors, and not those who spent some time there. I caught up with Kempenfest Chair Todd Tucky as things were starting to wind down on Monday. He may still be coming down off a three-day high.
6: Some of our uh, Arts and Crafts vendors had sold out Sunday morning, like roughly 20 of them said they had already sold out of everything they brought, which was amazing because they had stocked extra for this year, expecting a good comeback. So it's been great, uh, you know, talking to the food booths. They have done amazingly well. Beer Garden and with the uh, the uh, bands and stuff has
0: been just great. Like, it's great to see everybody back out, enjoying and giving back to the community. You had some challenges in the months leading up to this, just coming out of the pandemic and finding all the things that, you usually had and had access to you got through that the festival began and here you are
6: and here we are and with just a couple hours left dan we're just hoping that mother nature cooperates and holds off it would be that one year in a long time that we haven't had any rain and you know knock and wood it's been great so far and and the crowd's been great everything is just everything's been great I, I don't think we've had one negative issue or event here which is awesome and great to be able to say i was going to ask can you remember a camp and fest weekend where it didn't rain uh, we're going back Dan. probably close to 20 years when i can maybe remember one and maybe because you're right every every camp and fest there's a shot of rain coming in at some point over the weekend a little damper on things but typically it's just a little damper which is okay
0: so two years without it what did you learn over that period that you put in place this year what have you picked up this year that you can use moving forward based on everything that's gone on the last couple of years
6: well, it's interesting. Um, for festivals and events in Ontario, they're saying that the average attendance is up 20% this year over any regular year, and we're finding we're at least that here. And the average uh, expenditure is up over 30%, and we're talking to our arts and crafts vendors, and they're saying the exact same thing is absolutely out. Uh, people are selling out of things. They're 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 happy they're thrilled the vendors finally to be back and they're taking orders even when they sell out which is great great for everybody great for the economy and for all the charities that run camp fest it's great because you know we can look forward to next year but we now have some money to put back in into the community, which is what this is all about. The whole event's about that. One thing people don't understand is, is Camp Fest itself is a charity. We're all not-for-profits that own and run CampFest. So there's no nobody sitting at the top, you know, taking in money from this event or anything. It's all the charities, and all the profit we make goes back into our community. So it's it's great to see the community support. This. So
0: Teardown begins in another couple of hours uh, from when we're speaking here now. But the planning for next year begins almost right away, doesn't it? Yeah, we'll do. Uh... Uh, D-tag of the whole event and we'll uh, we'll say, okay, what went right?
6: What went wrong? What can we fix? What can we improve? And and uh, that happens within a couple of weeks of the event ending and then we just move out from there. Favourite moment for you at this year's Kemptfest, Fest? Among many, I'm sure. Well, if I had to pick one, just interesting being with my family last night and uh, we had a country Canadian country music artist, Teve, on stage and Teve get up there and encourage the whole crowd to sing Happy Birthday to me along with him. So it, it, was, uh, it was a unique moment. It was pretty exciting. Exciting.
0: Congratulations on a, a great festival, a good comeback, and finally getting that 50th anniversary off the yeah, ground. Yeah, we're
6: so excited, and the community support's been great. And like I say, thank you guys for for sharing the information and, and getting everybody out here and giving them guidance. It's very much appreciated.
0: That's Kempenfest Chair Todd Tucky, one of many satisfied customers at this year's Kempenfest. And we're done. Thanks to Ian, Will, MJ, and Rachel for their contributions this week. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to What Barry's Talking About, maybe rate it, review it. You can also keep up with What Barry's Talking About on Facebook and at Twitter at Barry360 and on our website, barry360.com. Look forward to getting together with you again next week. I'm Dan Blakely.